the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Declassified here on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we go back in time and look back at the new generation years of the WWF. And this time we couldn't be any more new generation y than we are today talking about an event that happened 27 years ago this past Mother's Day on May 14th, or excuse me, the day before Mother's Day, May 14th. It was on Mother's Day back in 1995. The inaugural In Your House pay-per-view is the subject of today's New Generation Declassified. Uh, The In Your House pay-per-view concept. I can't believe that it's 27 years ago because I still feel as if it's like a new concept to me. I was so stuck in the model that they had uh, adding the King of the Ring in 1993, I thought was even kind of stretching it at the time because I really looked forward to the big four pay-per-views. But throwing in King of the Ring was cool because I did like the tournament concept. But then when they announced that this event would take place on May 14th, 1995, this inaugural In Your House from the Upstate Medical University Arena uh, at the uh, the uh, On Center War Memorial Arena, Syracuse, New York, uh, the inaugural In Your House would take place again, like I said, on Mother's Day in 1995. Wow, how is that 27 years ago? Uh, My memories of the first In Your House are kind of funny because at the time, we had what you would call a hot box. And for those that don't know what a hot box is, is sometimes, by the grace of goodness, uh, you might end up with a couple extra channels on your cable box. Uh, I think maybe a flip of a wire by accident by your installer would give you this capability. And I went on a stretch between April and May and I think into June around the time of the King of the Ring where we had a hot box and we were able to get the one channel of pay-per-view that we had at the time on. I don't know if it was store or cable at the time or maybe it had just switched over to Comcast in New Jersey, but um Maybe it was even TKR cable. I can't remember exactly which cable system it was, but it was just a very small, brief time where we had a hot box and the uh, first in your house, the inaugural in your house, and its replay, which was, of course, the uh, two nights later, um, were watched by me live. And that was a very cool memory because I remember uh, sitting down there and watching it. I remember it was an odd start time. Uh, But this was a little different. This is what we'll kind of get into about the original model of the In Your House uh, pay-per-view. Made to be a little friendlier to the wallet. So instead of the old $39.95 price tag, this pay-per-view would be $14.95. And it would also be a little bit shorter in length. So you'd get your three-hour 
WWF traditional pay-per-view. Well, these would be a little bit less. You know, you're basically looking at your 90 minutes to about two hours for an in-your-house uh, pay-per-view. And as we'll talk about, too, especially with the first card, you didn't get all the better matches. You didn't get all the good ones. You got a couple of them. A few of the dark matches that ended up airing on Coliseum Video may have been the better matches that should have been shown on the pay-per-view. And maybe they would have had a little bit more of a uh, bigger demand. But the WWF was a little bit uh, forced to move in this direction. Uh, WCW had started to go to the monthly pay-per-view model, uh, which even at the time, they were kind of still a little bit, um, you know, uh, testing the waters. Uh, 1995, WCW held nine pay-per-view events and moved it up to 10 in 1996 so the wwf said well can you top this we are going to go every month and we're going to add these in your house pay-per-views as kind of a, a theme every single uh month leading into our bigger shows um i didn't love it I didn't love it i liked it but i didn't love it i just feel it was kind of saturating a product that was a little bit desperate for um that old mainstream attention that it had a few years earlier and this was not getting the job done because um, the roster I would say at this point in 1995 wasn't its strongest and they definitely weren't booking their best. Uh, but you know, you got to start somewhere, I guess in the, in your house one, the May 14th, 1995 pay-per-view uh, no fancy title, you don't know, no, uh, you know, grand grandiose, uh, you know, uh, set, it was simply in your house and the set was a house and the backdrop was that they were going to give away a house. And yes, the house that was given away, uh, there is a backstory to that as well. But when they decided to have this, uh, contest, you had to send in a uh, sweepstakes entry that you would be entered into this giant bin of entries that was placed inside of the front area of the house. And uh, the host of the show, Todd Pettengill, and his co-host, Stephanie Wyan, uh, were the ones that were going to draw the name on the show, and they would give away the house. Now, I believe WWE.com did go and find the winner of the house uh, and do an article on them. I just let me see. I'm looking quickly as I talk to you uh, live. Here it is. Yes. Whatever happened to the in your house house? This was on um, January 22nd, 2020. The WWE went and found Matthew Pompaselli, or Pompaselli, I guess you would say, who was the winner of the house. And <laughs> it's funny in the article, they actually have the video of uh, Stephanie Wyan and Todd Pettengill calling the house and yes this was legit this was not a worked contest um midway through the show they they got on the phone and they did the call live on the air to let them know that the family won this house that they were giving away in orlando florida and it was uh matthew pompicelli and uh you know wwe was able to catch up with him all those years later to get him on an interview and uh talk about how he was one out of 340,000 entries to uh, get into this in your house uh, contest. And, um, you know, <laughs> that when they awarded the house, the, the family was able to uh, pull up on an all expenses paid limo trip with the WWF cameras all over the place. Uh, the Bushwhackers were there as they got to their house 
and they filmed a lot of different commercials. Uh, what a great experience. But I'm just trying to skim this pretty quickly. I don't know if they still have the house. Uh, oh, they sold it for $175,000. Wow, good for them and the, and the Pompicelli family uh, to unload that freebie house that you uh, you won on WWF In Your House 1. But you got to give it to them for absolutely going there and wanting to to go that length to to show you this is what we'll give you as an incentive and i gotta tell you i might have to go look for uh matthew pompicelli and see if he would come on uh, new generation declassified i think he'd be a great gift kind of a great gift great great guest kind of in the same vein as the click kid and how he was so awesome with his footage that he uh he had and ironically coming on with me the uh the day that scott hall passed away while we were talking about the uh the curtain call just a crazy turn of events um, but the, the show itself, you know, they tried their best with it for sure. It was, um, a little bit, um, you know, like I said, there was a little bit more that they should have showed that was in the dark match, uh, portion of the show. I mean, three huge dark match, uh, matches that took place just for the house. Uh, but the card itself featuring a WWF championship match, featuring a tag team championship match, a King of the Ring qualifier as well as uh, Bret Hart wrestling two times in uh, one night. And one of the matches being one of his better matches of the, uh, the, the year, 1995. Um, and, and some of these continuing storylines, but others not. And then one where I'm really going to have you question why this was on in your house. Because look, this is right after WrestleMania. This is the first pay-per-view after WrestleMania 11. So yeah, there was a, not a ton of build there. There was definitely, uh, you know, a, a length of time that they had to, um, to to build this up. This is May 14th, and WrestleMania took place on April 2nd. So they had a good amount of time to uh, absolutely uh, build up a pay per view, and then the next event would be uh, June 25th, the King of the Ring '95. Uh, but this one for sure, you know. I just I don't I don't know if they could go back and maybe change it or just flip a few and put the bigger matches on the uh, the show. So how how's, here's this for a little context. There was three hundred and forty thousand entries into the the contest for the house. There was three hundred and thirty two thousand buys for this pay per view, giving it a point zero point uh, eight three buy rate. And by that standards, you know, that's very low for the WWF. Now, any wrestling company on, on planet Earth would cut off their arms to get that kind of buy rate now. Uh, but yeah, 332,000 buys, you know, $14.95 a pop. In some places, it was $19.95. It definitely uh, could have had, uh, again, a little bit better of a match layout to, to show off your inaugural uh, event. Um, and again, odd that this was the only one that didn't have a theme to it. It was just in your house. You know, the next one would have uh, the lumberjacks and the one after that would be, you know, an international incident. And then they would do, you know, uh, beware of dog. And then they would do these and the, you know, the bad blood. And they would have themes and names and, and give them a little bit more, you know, of an identity instead of just being regular old in your house. So let's look at the matches on this show. Before the uh, the event took place on pay-per-view, we have Jean-Pierre Lafitte, PCO, Carl Ouellet, taking on Bob Holly, defeating him in just, you know, your regular old dark match to get the house going. Uh, now this is in the build for the Jean-Pierre Lafitte-Bret uh, Hart 
uh, feud for the summer that would be going on. Uh, not one of Brett's better feuds, but still, uh, nonetheless, Jean-Pierre Lafitte uh, gets the win over Bob Holly in a singles match. Uh, to kick off the show, Bret Hart wrestles his first match of the evening, taking on Hakushi. Uh, Hakushi and Bret Hart's feud uh, began over Bret Hart winning an award uh, by the Japanese media for Wrestler of the Year. And Hakushi taking a uh, exception to that with his manager, Shinja, who was Sato from the Orient Express. And these two have a absolutely uh, wonderful match um, where the psychology of Bret Hart comes into full play as Bret decides to uh, kind of dupe his opponent later in the night and uh, kind of put together a, a fake knee injury to kind of get Jerry Lawler a little more comfortable, uh, thinking he'd have Bret Hart beat very easily. But Bret also dedicated the matches that he was wrestling to his mother because it was uh, Mother's Day, and that was, of course, very valiant of, uh, of Bret. But uh, the match with, Shin, uh, with Hakushi and Bret Hart, just uh, unbelievable, and the uh, victory by Bret Hart ending the six-month-long undefeated streak of Hakushi, who was getting a very low key push. You know, Hakushi was doing these amazing acrobatic moves that hadn't really been seen on WWF TV at the time. And, uh, Brett was a great opponent for him and he beat him with the, uh, the pin in the middle of the ring. But as Brett was leaving the ring and celebrating with fans, he trips and favors his knee on the way out has to be, uh, brought back to the, uh, backstage area by officials. And we now doubt, will we actually have, a match later on in the evening between Bret Hart and Jerry, the King Lawler. Now I must also mention that the commentators for this uh, affair are Vince McMahon and Michael Hayes as doc Hendricks. And man, you really got to like Michael Hayes. If you enjoy the doc Hendricks commentary, because it is quite insufferable and uh, just very, very unfitting of, uh, you know, a nineties, broadcaster because he's just so intrusive and annoying and just don't like the chemistry between him and Vince. And this would basically be, you know, whenever Lawler was in the ring, we'd see Doc Hendricks on commentary during this time. And oh, it was not a good um, experiment at all. Uh, he was just not a good uh, guy to play off of Vince. Uh, the second match is a handicap match. Continuing the feud from uh, earlier in the year in January when Jeff Jarrett defeated Razor Ramon to become the Intercontinental Champion. They've been trading, uh, you know, different kinds of victories and defeats back and forth, disqualifications, countouts. Uh, but Razor Ramon does get to defeat the uh, Rhodey and Jeff Jarrett on this uh, event. But as he's getting attacked by. Jeff Jarrett and the roadie, he is saved by his longtime friend. Uh, you would know him as the former Quang, and it would be Savio Vega making his debut here in the uh, the match, coming to the aid of his longtime close personal friend, Razor Ramon. But it is very odd that Razor would just get the pinfall victory over Jarrett here. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It was uh, it was weird. He didn't get his win back on Jarrett at any point. But Savio Vega hits the ring and uh, first known as the unknown man. But when you got to the WWF hotline room, 
they uh, they introduced him as Savio Vega, and he was now the Caribbean favorite. And I really like Savio Vega, and we'd see him next month at the King of the Ring uh, really go far and uh, did get a pretty good push right out of the gate uh, in the King of the Ring, which he would lose the finals to the man who qualified in the next match, and that was Adam Baum uh, losing to the eventual winner, Mabel. And this match was on the King of the Ring again. I think this is a way to uh, show Mabel was on the rise as he beats Adam Bomb, who they just they they booked him so poorly as a babyface. I mean, he never won a match it seemed, unless it was a squash. And here he gets beat by um, uh, Mabel pretty handily. And the year before, you know, Mabel's just in this jokey um, tag team, you know, men on a mission. But now they're kind of ghetto, you know. They're they've got the more slowed down, um, you know, uh, I guess you would call it urban style music. And uh, Mo is now the uh, the leader of Mabel on the outside, and they beat Adam Baum pretty uh, handily. And that was it. And Mabel moves on to the next round. And it was really the big push that, that started the King of the Ring uh, for Mabel for that victory. Uh, next, we'd get a kind of... <laughs> Out of uh, very underplayed and not given enough time tag team championship match. This was a rematch from WrestleMania where we saw the return of Yokozuna, but this time as Owen Hart's mystery partner, they defeated the Smoking Guns and they would go on to defeat the Smoking Guns again and retain the tag team championship. Really nothing to write home about in this match. The champions retain after Yokozuna pins Bart with a leg drop. And if you saw Yokozuna's leg drop, ever cross uh, somebody's uh, head before. It looks like it smothers it. So that was it uh, and all she wrote. And that was the end of uh, the Smoking Guns uh, kind of babyface uh, title run of that era until the next year when they would kind of start to turn heel and then kind of get revitalized. Uh, but then we would see moving on in the mat in the show, the second match with Bret Hart taking on Jerry Lawler. This time, Jerry Lawler comes out with a uh, lady who he claims to be his mother, who may or may not have been uh, younger than he was. Um, and he was dedicating this match to his mother as Brett limped to the ring. And Lawler was uh, boasting that it was going to be so easy for him to kind of put the hitman away. The hitman showed there really was nothing wrong with his leg or his knee. And he had been working Jerry the whole time. And as Brett kind of dominated the entire match, uh, Hakushi would arrive back out with Shinja. Shinja would cause a distraction. Hakushi would kind of give a headbutt to Brett as he was down. And Jerry Lawler would roll up Brett to get the victory. One of the very rare victories by Jerry Lawler at this time. Um, as the probably, like we've said before, one of the top bad guys of the era of the era Finally gets a pinfall victory on Bret Hart. Wins the match. Bret does not conquer and win that match for his mother. What a bad son. How could he uh, even go about looking his mother in the eye after he lost the match he dedicated to her at the inaugural in your house? I mean, my God, that's just uh, absolute travesty. And then we would move on to the pay-per-view main event. It was just a regular old standard championship match with two big methodical Dudes in the middle of the ring. Big Daddy Cole Diesel defending against Sid. Sid now managed by Ted DiBiase. We talked about that moment where Sid joins the corporation. 
Sid was brought in around uh, WrestleMania to be Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. That didn't work out. Shawn Michaels not on this show because he was taken out by Sid. He would come back as the conquering babyface. This match is pretty significant only because Diesel gets hurt during it. He takes a bad powerbomb by Sid. And uh, that was kind of, uh, you know, the, the nail in the summer for Diesel because it really, um, it hurt him badly. His elbow was real messed up. And, uh, you know, for this match to end in a DQ, it kind of stunk. And it kind of left a bad taste in your mouth because, A, I wouldn't give this away uh, as the, the first main event if it wasn't going to be a decisive finish. B, it was the first of multiple matches for them, and I don't think it was a solid main event. Again, when I give you the dark matches that are on here, uh, you're going to ask why in God's name they didn't save uh, this match for later on or switch it around a little bit and maybe have something else go on as the main event. But Tatanka hits the ring, attacks Diesel, which um, allows Bam Bam Bigelow to come out and make the save for his now buddy Big Daddy Cool which leads to the main event of King of the Ring 1995, the god-awful tag team match between Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Tatanka and Psycho Sid. Just a dreadful, dreadful match on paper, a dreadful, dreadful match to watch and to go back and watch. I mean, if you ever wanted to do a full three-hour watch-along for this show, it's watching that uh, King of the Ring 95 from top to bottom. It is the pits. I just, I've never been a fan of it. I've watched it a million times. Cause again, I had it on tape during this era, but it is just not, Oh, it is not, it is not good. Um, and I really, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I wish they could go back and redo May and June, 1995 and May, June, July, August. How about we just call it uh fair and do the whole summer over from May through uh, the beginning of September, because then they started to turn the corner and kind of get it back on track. Uh, but that's your pay-per-view. Let that sink in. That's your pay-per-view. Would you order that now for four, even for $14.95? Would you go and order that? Okay. Would you go watch it? If I said, Hey, go watch it and get back to me. I don't think so. I don't even think it's got that rewatchability just by reading those matches to you and giving you a synopsis of what happened. I don't, I think it's just, it's, it's not their best offering. And I think it really showed, um, in the presentation now, for some reason, they decided these three matches could not make could not make the final cut for the pay-per-view again because of time. It was only about a two-hour window. Uh, so they decided to add these to the VHS release. Uh, but there was also uh, another match that was not added to uh, the VHS release that we will go over. So there's three, two, four total dark matches, three that took place after the pay-per-view went off the air the first and again how is this not on the pay-per-view the undertaker defeats comma with a tombstone pile driver uh just a regular standard match no uh casket match no you know no gimmicks but still this was like a blood feud at the time and comma who would uh you know originally steal the undertaker's uh urn and melt it down to make it a giant chain around his neck you know, Undertaker gets him in the, the ring the next month. And my God, you know, they've got uh, they've got a, a post pay-per-view dark match. And it's kind of crazy because I think, honestly, if you wanted to, with the, what they had going behind it with the uh, the urn, that could have been the main event. You know, it, it really could have. And I think that this was a, a huge swing and a miss. 
and shows kind of the disrespect the undertaker did get at the time because he was so reliable it seemed like they could just give him kind of the shit sandwich and he'd eat it just because they had other stuff going on and we just always knew undertaker would always uh be there so uh, that's dark match number one that did make it onto the, uh, VHS home video release for Coliseum video. Um, have this next match, you know, could have been on there too, because again, this played into the main event of WrestleMania 11, Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka. Okay. Uh, Bam Bam defeats Tatanka. Uh, Bigelow wins his diving headbutt. Um, and excuse me, diving off the top rope, hitting a sunset flip for the win. It's a pretty impressive move for a Bam Bam Bigelow. This was included on the VHS release. Bam Bam Bigelow main evented WrestleMania 11 with Lawrence Taylor. He was kicked out of the Million Dollar Corporation two weeks later. How is this not on the pay-per-view? I mean, this is just a question that if we could talk to Vince McMahon, you know, and maybe after like the first, you know, 200 questions you have, you might ask him, why Bam Bam wasn't on uh, the next pay-per-view after main eventing WrestleMania 11. But nonetheless, you know, this also goes to show you how far Tatanka's stock had dropped by this point in 95. But then, oh, poof, they're not on the show in May, but they're main eventing the uh, pay-per-view in June. Don't get it. Really makes no sense. But what are you going to do? And then the final match of the evening, this is what sent the crowd home happy. You had a King of the Ring Tournament qualifier between the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, and Owen Hart, which would end in a draw at 15 minutes, and they'd end up having uh, another match on Raw to basically have uh, the second uh, of this qualifier since it was in a draw. So they, the, the winner of the previous year's King of the Ring is main eventing technically this card in Syracuse, New York, in a King of the Ring qualifier, maybe going to defend his throne. And no, it's the dark match. And it just made zero sense again. And I would absolutely have put those three matches on the card. And maybe, just maybe, and this is me talking here, taken off one of the Brett matches. Mabel versus Adam Baum, you know. Do you want to take off the tag team championship match? There's only five minutes. Owen Hart pulling double duty, just like his brother Brett uh, on this night. So very strange. I don't get it. But, you know, this is why business was the way uh, it was at the time and just not um, not doing very well. And even though the In Your House model would say, it says that um, the, you know, the, the pay-per-view would get the 332,000 buys and it was a large number um, you know, for the standards of a WWF, I was, it wasn't a large number for the standards of a WWF pay-per-view, but it was big enough for them to continue the in-your-house model and would be the second highest buy rate they would get in this era behind the good friends, better enemies in your house, which was the Diesel versus uh, Shawn Michaels uh, final pay-per-view match for Big Daddy Cool the next June uh, before he left the WCW and helped form the NWO, which essentially changed the history of professional wrestling. But this show on paper, I mean, it's not very impressive. And the fact that it's 27 years ago, A, it makes me feel old, and B, just blows my mind that it's been this long since it passed. Uh, but I you know, could be wrong. You might love this show. This could be your favorite WWF pay-per-view of all time. And... Um, 
I'd like to know if it is. If you like this show, you know, let me know. If you thought that WWF should have just kept it the way it was and not added those pay-per-views, let me know that as well because I was just traditionalist. You know, I really liked the fact that there was just the four pay-per-views and maybe, you know, if they brought back a Saturday night's main event or they'd even do a Sunday night slam, little shows like that, I always got very excited for the in-your-house pay-per-view model. You know, man, I just had to try to ask my parents to order me another pay-per-view, which usually resulted in a new, so I wasn't really going to try. But the fourteen ninety-five price tag definitely, uh, absolutely helped with the, um, you know, with the selling of the pay-per-view, and they would slowly raise that price. We go from fourteen ninety-five to nineteen ninety-five, and then I think. Basically, up until uh, the midpoint of the Attitude Era, it would just go to the regular $39.95 for each uh, pay-per-view that uh, took place. Uh, but also, you know, go check out the story about the kid who won the house. It's kind of funny. And this just show reeks of new generation goodness from top to bottom. So, you know, from that perspective, yeah, it's great. You know, go, go do what you got to do uh, and watch it. But I just don't think it's got a great rewatchability and again 27 years ago my goodness gracious it is uh incredibly crazy to think that that was that long ago i mean i remember it like it was yesterday uh so we'll get out of here uh for this week we'll catch you next time on new generation declassified if you want to follow me on twitter it's at chad emb on instagram it's at ib exclusives my website is ibexclusives.com. This website is tmptempire.com. All the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella and anything you could ever ask for as it relates to pro wrestling content. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week with another new generation declassified. Those waiting for Coliseum Chad number four, just way longer. It's not ready yet. So we will see you next time. And this is your old pal, the Chadster. I will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.